Welcome to It Sounded Like a Good Idea at the Time, the weekly podcast where we give you in the trenches dialogue the things you might be facing, thinking about, feeling, thinking about, thinking about, you know, all that. My name is Caroline. And I'm Hannah. And we're so glad you joined us today. Yeah. How are you feeling today, Caroline? Uh, I'm feeling good. You and I just got back from a walk. We have done that a few nights now and um, I love it. I'm feeling good. Yeah, it's really good. It's um, just getting out and like kind of capping off the day with a little bit of cardio feels really good. Getting out in some fresh air is just nice. I'm of course exhausted. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But that feels a baseline. So yeah, but we're about to make some changes that hopefully will help with some of that exhaustion. Yeah, um, we are. Well, I don't want to say we because I'm going to just get out in front of this and say this is all on me. You, <laughs> you handle pressure better than anyone I've ever met in my entire life. Oh, you, I really appreciate you saying that. <laughs> you, you just pressure happens and you just go with the flow and continue being productive. I just turn in on myself and I don't know, text you and others about it. <laughs> <laughs> we go on walks. Right, exactly. So all that to say, um, we've been in quarantine, well, we've been experiencing the effects of a pandemic for two months now, and we're going to have to take a break (laughs) because I simply cannot do every single thing. You can. I'm just going to say it. You can do everything, and I don't know how. (laughs) I I just cannot. You don't need to say that, but thank you. (laughs) So, I don't know. Maybe Caroline still will. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Plot twist. We thought we were going to end our year and a half long season one this week, but it right. was me. <laughs> exactly. With unedited um, episodes, since you're the one who edits. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just raw, raw, raw content. The real, the um, Caroline After Dark. That's what it should be. <laughs> that, that's what everyone needs to do. Yes, hear. exactly. But anyway, um, we hope you understand. And we're just going to take the summer and... Um, look at coming back in the fall when hopefully school is back and we have time to do anything because I'm exhausted. I cannot, I can't do everything. I just simply cannot. (laughs) Well, those of you who have been so supportive um, from day one, we really struggled because we're like, but our friends are going to miss us. And we're going to miss our friends. Like it, you know, we set out to kind of be a community and that's happened. So it's kind of a bummer not to like, it, it's been really hard to make this decision, even to stop for a little while, because we really like putting out content and getting feedback and starting a conversation about it. So we will still be, we will definitely still be on goodideagirls.com. Um, so con- please continue to check that out and um, leave comments and feedback there. Yeah, that's a much less na- navel-gazing way to say it, that we're going to miss our friends as well. But really, so many of our listeners have become friends. Um, we message on our personal accounts and on the podcast account. Um, right. And we'll still be on the podcast account. Yes, I'll um, still be posting on Instagram when I think yeah, about, when I think right, about exactly. it. Right, um, exactly. So, yeah, we keep saying, like, hey, should we ever have, like, a season finale? Because we never have. Um, but this is it. So right. <laughs> 18 it, months or longer of right. season one, I think it's probably time for a little it's we'll time break. for it's time for a break and um when we record so we have a great episode today um we recorded with our new friend leslie stevens uh vp of content for cupcakes and cashmere and absolutely loved our conversation with her at that time we were not this is we kind of just decided on this this weekend because i was just like either i'm gonna have to contact my doctor and go on some <laughs> more medication or i can look at what i can cut off for a little bit just to like retain sanity like I just and I know we're all like I've seen a lot of our friends on Instagram feeling 
the exact same way. I know we're all in the trenches together, just trying to figure out the best ways we can survive this crazy time. Yeah. So um, we're just going to take a break. And we are very excited to end the season on a high note of having our new friend Leslie Siemens on. And um, the conversation we had with her is very good. Um, and you will hear that soon. But before we get into that, there is one topic regarding women, which I definitely want to hit on. Well, I already know what it is and I okay. have something to say about it, but go ahead and introduce go with, it. <laughs> okay, I will introduce it. This weekend, um, very strangely to me, someone who we have talked about on here quite a bit, well, a couple times, I guess, Allison Roman, um, chef, former BuzzFeed writer, current food writer for New York Times, right? Or Yep. Yep, and she yeah she's a contributor to a lot of places, but okay, um, yeah. yeah, New York Times m- most most often. Okay, and she has a cookbook. Um, I guess an interview came out with her where she harshly criticized Chrissy Teigen and Marie Kondo for monetizing their success by hawking products and that kind of thing. Yes, yes, um, and it was so. I have so many thoughts on it, but I'll let you go ahead and break in. Yeah. So, you know, I feel like regular people often harsh on celebrities like it's no no big deal. But this this was a really strange move to me. And I just had to push back from the mic a little bit to take a picture that I'm going to post on Instagram because I have spoken so highly of Alison Roman. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Even like talked about her solely during an um, intro. I don't know, several months ago. But yeah. I took a picture because I don't have that many um, cookbooks that I cook out of, like hard copy cookbooks. Right. But, um, I got hers for Christmas that I'd asked for. I featured it on one of our Huff Post gift guides that yep. we put together. Um, and it's on my stack to raise up my microphone every week. Um, oh, that's funny. <laughs> so I'm like on her cookbook right now. Um, I still love it, but it was so strange. So. Basically, I guess she was just asked like about her career path and decided to talk about the career paths she did not want, like Chrissy's and Marie Kondo's, who essentially she um, accused of being sellouts for having um, food content that then they began to. Well, Marie Kondo's was different. It wasn't food content, but having something they were known for then sold out for product lines and basically created content farms. What was even stranger, well, more surprising maybe, is Chrissy Teigen, who we love, um, responded to it in a very major way on Twitter. Instead of just, like, not saying anything, she posted, you know, a very long thread of tweets that I felt like was very articulate. Yeah. This truly hurt me because I have been nothing but very supportive of her and really like her, and I'm not sure where this came from. Right, and she she even said that Alison Roman... Like, she was like, I just signed on to executive produce a show she's a part of, which really showed, like, it's a and huge... she said it was because of her. Like, right. it was because of Alison Roman. Be- right, because of Alison Roman. And I guess if I could address Alison Roman, which that would be my goal here, because clearly she addressed a, a reporter, you know, without the without thinking about feelings. Like, Alison, <laughs> should you listen to this, I need to ask you... Other than the fact that it's such a huge bummer that you are so blatantly rude to two other women, like, why did you, like, well, first of all, it assumes that you, Allison, are the one who gets to decide what's okay and what's not. I mean, the conversation about 
being yeah. a sellout is something that um, we've had uh, through text messages with some friends just kind of casually. And that is really all opinion. Like it is all based oh, on like what you think you would do, which everyone has a line and everyone is also trying to put food on the table. So and I highly doubt. And I said this to you via text when we were talking about it this weekend. I highly doubt, and I could be wrong, that Allison Roman has been um, approached by a major retailer about having her own product line right. and said no. Maybe she has, but I would have thought that would have been a great time to address in the right. times that I've been pitched. Interestingly, and I saw this in a commentary later as I looked into it, she didn't mention Rachel Ray. She didn't mention Martha Stewart. Nope. She was... V- and um, somebody commented on Twitter that she had also DM'd that person about what's Gobby cooking, which is a yes, a yes. Matt Armandarees said yes because he is like what's Gabby cooking's favorite, or best friend, and and yes. food photographer. Yep. And he he said, "Go ahead." Oh well, she has a line at Williams Sonoma, um, so she's also quote unquote sold out. Um, and and actually contributed um, to Cupcakes and Cashmere, as it so happens. Um, Which, to, to be fair, it- when you say, quote unquote, we are not agreeing with the <laughs> sellout term oh, in the negative, no, no, in no, the no, no. pejorative I quoting, way. I'm quoting Alison Roman. Right, right, right. Um, but it also led to commentary of why did she not mention these two other white women who, for very many reasons, would say are more successful or more well known for their products and their food well that's that's the other thing the other piece of this that's really frustrating like other than the fact that it's not remotely your call to say who gets to be the sellout the other thing is you i need you allison to ask yourself why you decided to call out two asian women for making money based on their hard work and completely sidestepped all the white women who do this and again when i say that that's not a critique i don't i have that is not a negative to me like all the women who have a platform and then can monetize it go for it you know and i wasn't even thinking some people pointed out like why not gwyneth paltrow and i was also thinking about that um well giada de laurentis giada um, well and in another because just because paula dean who's also in my oh um, good point yeah (laughs) paula dean all the people in your stack um i was also thinking like rachel hollis um jen hatmaker all these people like you gain a platform and then you monetize it somehow that's what you do Um, and that doesn't minimize the work that you've done no exactly and um a big part of understanding like a lot of the problems that our country faces regarding race is asking yourself like why you make little daily decisions like this like why did you decide to call those people out why are Mm -hmm. they wrong and not any of these other women like and it's not even that like you clearly don't like it enough to bring up in an interview like it wasn't like a hot mic or something like that um you know like why why was that what you chose why mm-hmm, were those two exactly. women what you chose to call out? And the other, you know, today, Monday, we learned this morning that Chrissy Teigen, like, shut down her Twitter temporarily because she's receiving a ton of hate about it. And she can <sighs> take a lot. Like, she yeah, is, and she does on the regular. <laughs> she does all the time. And she will respond to it. And she says that she was receiving comments about her children negatively, comment, like, hate, like, hate comments and threats and that kind of thing. So for her to shut down her Twitter was Mm -hmm. truly surprising to me. And it's because of someone else saying something about her. So, Allison, Roman, (laughs) ask yourself (laughs) if you're okay with having started that. Yeah, and and to what end? That's what I ended up walking away from of 
what was your goal here? Because I, and I told you this, I think that there are some points that she could have made that would have been more valid in each of those cases about both of those women that right, had right. nothing to do with minimizing their success. But, yes. You know, like Chrissy had kind of a built-in platform. She was a known person before she built her right, brand. Right. That's not a negative. It's just saying right. She it could just have made it just is of I didn't have a built-in platform, and you know there was that work involved. Whatever. Yes. Yes. Again, I'm not saying she should or shouldn't have. Said oh right. That, yeah. Yeah. That it ju- that's had just more the case. Validity. Yes. But to me, it her and we. This comes down to this: why women put down other women? Yeah. What does it gain, lose or gain for her to put down Marie Kondo or Chrissy Teigen? Exactly. I don't think anyone is buying Chrissy Teigen cookbooks instead of Alison Roman cookbooks. Right. No, no, it's definitely not. Or I didn't buy a subscription. I didn't, I, I bought a subscription to New York Times cooking, but I didn't do it. Because I didn't support Chrissy Teigen, like it's just right, there are lots right. of Content places uh, again. There's food. there's room for everyone at the top. Like there's no need to do this, and it's so it's such a bummer for all women. I mean, especially the two women she called out. Yes, but that really. I mean, I don't know. It just it really upset me for it did, and I've I will always I will always support Chrissy Teigen because yeah. I just think that she's wonderful. Yes. Um, but I felt like this shows even more how genuinely she feels about the food work that she does. Right. Because she felt so deeply about it that she responded in a very articulate way. She didn't slam Allison. She just said, no, this yeah. disappoints me on a very deep level. And I was like, you know, what a human response right. to that that stripped away the celebrity. But just to say, as someone who I look up to, to slam my work is really difficult. Yeah. Yeah. So... Um, for me personally, I think that's about all I have to say on that is just like, I mean, ask yourself people (laughs) before you make comments, ask yourself why you're identifying these people, these problematic people, these people that you think have problems. Well, examine it. Yeah. Well, similarly, uh, the same day in the same news cycle, um, Emily Giffen, a very famous novelist, um, was called to task for making some really strange insta stories slamming megan right. markle that was a her, really weird move <laughs> yeah her megan markle um recorded a save with stories on the save with stories instagram account if you are looking for things to do with your kids at night the save with stories instagram account is really a cute one to have um stories read to them before bed or you know anytime but um <laughs> megan posted one with archie and Emily Giffen decided to just tear her apart on her Insta stories and right. then backtracked to be like, oh, no, I just wanted to talk talk to my fans like they're my girlfriends and like what I would really talk about. And I'm right. like, ah. That's not how this works. <laughs> they're just, again, as a public figure, I'm like, there are just some things that are done and not done. Right, right. That, like, there's got to be a filter or a boundary that you right. talk about. Like, this is probably not great. <laughs> because, again, then later she released a statement speaking more of her feelings and talking about how she has been a fan of Meghan Markle from the beginning and then recently changed her opinion. It was, I'm not, it's neither here nor there, but I'm, there was more coherence and rationalization to the statement she released, but just the off the cuff, like releasing private texts she was having with a friend bashing Meghan's parenting was very, I'm like, like it was very harsh. Like, why would you attack her? Like, being a bad mom it was and it was very, it was very out of nowhere like i don't well, 
And this is kind of how I feel about both Emily <laughs> Giffen and Allison Roman of I'm not trying to make public figures two dimensional, but in a way I kind of am of like, I really like your books, Emily Giffen. I right. don't need to know your opinions on Meghan Markle and how they've changed. Right. Same with you, Allison Roman. I really love your cookbooks. If you came out with a product line, I'd probably support that too. But I don't need to know how you feel about other people who've done that. Right. All it does for me now is either not want to read your books, Emily, because I think that you're not a great person. And now I don't really want to make your recipes, Allison, even though I did today. Sorry. Um, Because I don't like what you stand for. Like Exactly. Exactly. There's only a net negative from there to me. I just really wonder, like, what was the end goal? Yeah. I mean, because even then she shared... Um, Emily Giffen shared like I have been such a fan of the royals I celebrated the royal wedding and it's like okay Here's just because you right and like just because you were nice at one time doesn't give you the right to be a d-bag now like that's that how this works <laughs> it isn't like a pass right. you get to like publicly it's just a such different level when someone attacks someone's kids and like motherhood yes to like I mean I don't know. It's it's very it was very bizarre to me. And then um, the same thing with Chrissy Teigen and Marie Kondo. Like, I, I mean, I have I can't find a single fault with what they've done with their careers. Like, I just no, don't understand. And again, if you don't agree, that's fine. It's totally fine to have different opinions. But bashing someone else publicly and bringing down another woman in that way, like when you have such a big platform, I don't it was just so it's just harsh not a good look. it's not a good look and then really it just makes me feel worse about you than, right right than anything that you would would or could have said um yeah because ex- I am all I'm sorry go ahead no you go I am all or nothing about people I have not purchased any of Emily Givens books or Allison Roman's books and I will never I can tell you right now I will yeah. never purchase their products so if there are other people like me out there like it's like there's people that have already purchased their things and that's fine but like you like ideally still want people to make purchases in the future so yeah and this is not the first time that emily giffen has had this situation happen it's been the most public but when she was um right after the success of something borrowed in that Uh that series i can't remember all of the details about it but she and her husband were like commenting basically going behind people who are maybe making like less than stellar comments and reviews and Mm -hmm. bashing that commenter and calling them a troll and like just completely ripping them apart in public replies it it was it was really not great and then emily giffen came back and was like oh my husband's just protective of me and it's like uh, so already i had had kind of a dubious feeling about her because that happened years ago yeah so as soon as i saw the headline i was like well this just confirms the thing i was trying to forgive because i liked the books and now like it's not worth it to me there are other really great books so right anyway but Speaking of (laughs) negativity online, that's one of the things that today's guest, Leslie Stevens, tackled very recently on Cupcakes and Cashmere. I have been a long, long, long time and heavy blog reader of lots of blogs. In fact, quite a few of our guests, April, um, Christina, Jen Eddins, they're all bloggers that I've read for a really long time who I've developed friendships with outside of blogging or have stalked into becoming my friend. Um, (laughs) And when I reached out to Leslie, um, I was 
pleasantly shocked and thrilled when she agreed to come on because I'm about to stalk her into being our friend. Um, right. We've got her phone re- number now. So, ha <laughs> 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 um, But she recently wrote a piece about this for Cupcakes and Cashmere because they are such a known blog and now all of their um, staff are their own public figures. And she really talked about with us how to kind of come to terms with hatred that gets spewed online, which is really interesting. Yeah. So, um, without much further ado, thank you guys for tuning in with us for 18 months. Um, we are going to still be online, still be right. Like writing on goodideagirls.com. Please keep checking it out. And here and you is can also give us, Go ahead. Sorry. Nope. Oh, yep. I was going to say, you can also give us follows on our personal Instagram accounts. I'm at Caroline Airy. Hannah is at Hannah Primaratna. Um, so we'll be there as well. Yes. Perfect. And here is our interview with Leslie Stevens. Okay. We are back and we are joined by somebody that I am so excited. This was like a pipe dream guest for me when we've made our list of who we would ever like to have. Leslie Stevens was on the top of my list and she's yes, here with us today. True. This is really crazy. So I am Leslie, so flattered. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So, you know, it's so weird because I love being fond over but I always feel weird fawning over other people. So I'm like, how like fangirly do I get? But I've been reading your work for so long and I'm like, I really want to talk to her. And I started a podcast so I can do that. No, I'm just kidding. That's not why. <laughs> <laughs> but we are so Everything glad. very like, normal over here, I assure you. Yes, Nothing yes. to worry about. Yeah, no, no no problems. These, yeah. these 3,000 miles are really close. We actually, um, <laughs> David and I just watched, um, Hannah, did I tell you this? The movie on Hulu, Ingrid Goes West. Have you heard no, of you, this? Oh, yeah, I no, even. I have. And I've honestly been a little bit too afraid to watch it. Yeah, don't watch <laughs> it, especially in light of how I just introed it. But um, it is... <laughs> That's why it's like fresh on my mind. This girl like basically changes her identity and moves across the country to meet Elizabeth Olsen, who's playing an influencer on mm-hmm. in the movie. Um, and like, I don't know, just like infiltrates her whole life. It's very crazy. But it's also like a very good snapshot, I think, of how 2020 is with like who are celebrities and whatever. But anyway, all that to say, we're so glad that you're here. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> no, I, mean, I have to say, I that. have the exact same thing with so many people. I mean, being yeah. someone who is publicly online does not change the fact that I full on fangirl over so many people almost to yeah. an embarrassing degree. I think here's what I figured out. I think as much as sometimes influencer culture, I think, makes all of us kind of roll our eyes and we all Mm -hmm. kind of talk about it, there is – the wall has been broken between like uber celebrity, like a celebrity walking the red carpet and somebody that you know is living a life that is in at least some way relatable to your own where you're like, well, probably like – Rita Wilson and Tom Hanks, yes, they just recovered from COVID, but they have very little in common with me, regardless mm-hmm. of how much Us Weekly tries to pump like stars. They're just like you um, right. we talked about last week. But I think that there's something about like Instagram and social media that really makes you feel like you know people. Mm-hmm. Well, there's also this direct access to people now. You see somebody's story and you can immediately send them an emoji or a full essay. And right. all of a sudden <laughs> yes. it just breaks this wall. Yes, that is so that is so true. Um and especially well, when you write um content like that hits home, like your pieces, especially lately, I'm like, 
oh my god like the, it just like clicks to me <laughs> so it's like we're connected we're friends yes <laughs> like, absolutely well which is, which which is probably i'm like yes so the three of us are best friends this is our podcast <laughs> exactly. This is fantastic. Yes, exactly exactly well it was that little dm button that connected us so thank you for exactly. responding to it and and agreeing to be on and i will say i really appreciated the way that you did it asked for a few episodes listened and then made an informed decision um so that we didn't scare you away when you got on so i do appreciate it <laughs> eyes wide open well yes. I feel like now I'm the super fan like I'm the one who wants to talk yes. about like never have I ever can we discuss that you guys oh, already talked about it last we? week but like I'm ready oh my gosh yes I go it for it and I loved it so much so I would love to talk about never have I ever if you haven't it's watched it so yet, cute well alert, Mindy Kaling is it. like yes <laughs> Mindy Kaling well, is this brand good. new epiphany well so yeah. I just I feel like she was just a hole in pop culture for me. Like, I definitely know who she is. I watched The Office forever. I knew of her shows. But during this quarantine, um, my fiance and I have been re-watching The Office. Yes, and so now I right. have a whole new appreciation for her. So when you guys were talking about this new sitcom that she writes, I was like, oh, my God, of course. I'm a number one Mindy Kaling fan. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. friend, speaking of other people. Apparently everybody. <laughs> yeah, you know, I feel like, Hannah, did you um, read her book, Is Everyone Hanging Out Without Me? Is everybody hanging out without me? Is that the first me? one? Yes. Yes, I read the first one. Okay, mm-hmm. and you told me that I should read it. I have not read it yet, but I have read – I would audiobook it because it's her – I think oh. she, if I remember correctly, it's been a while, but I think she narrates it, which is even better. Oh, that's even better. Mm-hmm. She has written some long form essays that I have loved. And I'm like, I know that I would like her books and um, just her general writing style and the way we talked again about it last week. She makes her characters so 3D. I'm like, this is, this is a rare talent, I feel like. And I'm glad that she's getting the appreciation that she deserves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so Leslie, have you guys watched the whole thing? No, we haven't. I mean, I literally started it today because I listened to the podcast from last week yesterday and then Oh, that's awesome. Was, yeah, and I was like, Jonah, we have to watch this. <laughs> Anna and Caroline love it. And I think oh, oh, he's so, right. I know. And he's so used to me at this point. I mean, all of my friends in quarantine are basically online personalities. Oh, please. he didn't even ask who is Hannah and Caroline. I think he was just like, Oh, those are her two okay. new best friends that she's never met in real life. That makes perfect that's, sense. That's, well, that's perfect. So one of my really good friends lives in Denver and we met through Instagram. Mm-hmm. Neither of us really remembers how I say we met on Snapchat. She refuses to acknowledge that. <laughs> but she came and visited me in September and it w- we had been online friends for like two years. And so it felt like we knew each other. I'm like, yeah, she's one of my mm-hmm. closest friends. And we had never met in person. So then um, we attended actually a live recording of a podcast that we both love, Watch What Crappens uh, from Bravo. I haven't pushed it in a while, but it's very good because Real Housewives of New Jersey or I mean, of New York and Beverly Hills are back. So listen to it now. But um, people are like, oh, how did you guys meet? And we're like on Instagram and we've never met in person until 24 hours ago. I don't know. This is also right. It's, it's just did it, was there anything cool. that you like that surprised you? I don't think so. I mean, we had kind of moved. This all sounds so creepy. We'd moved our relationship from like comments to DMs to FaceTime. So it was all like, I don't know. It was all kosher. It was very organic. Yeah. Yeah, it really was. I mean, it was kind of like, yeah, of course we know each other. But speaking of, before we hit record, you were telling us that a lot of your friends in LA, because you moved to LA from New York, correct? Yes. So I moved to LA. I can't believe it's already been four years ago, but... I moved. It was a really quick turnover. I basically found out that I got the job at Cupcakes and Cashmere, and mm-hmm. two weeks later was living in LA. 
So wow. I had very little notice. <laughs> yeah, really? Yeah, found our apartment while driving through Kansas. It was a oh very chill, wow. relaxed experience. Um, but I did, I was lucky enough that I had a few friends. So I had two really close friends from high school and then sort of made friends with their friends and created a little community. But one of my best friends in LA was a reader of Cupcakes and Cashmere. And oh, she wow. DM'd me on Instagram and basically just said, hey, you just moved to LA. I just moved here from Virginia. Do you want to be friends? And I was like, yes, absolutely. <laughs> exactly. No further awesome. questions. <laughs> yeah. Right. And she did something that was so brilliant. She basically created this little group of friends that they are still some of my best girlfriends in LA, this group of four women. Um, where she moved here, she basically said, I want a group of girlfriends. And so she made it happen. She met this one girl through an internship. She met another girl who was a friend of a friend. And then she met me through Instagram. And wow. she talked us all into starting a podcast together, which I think yes. now is just a secret plot because we <laughs> end- <laughs> we never published an episode, but there are about 20 recorded episodes that You're I... Wow. I mean, they're the, so bad. The, the they should files. never see the light of day. Yeah, like there's really. nothing charismatic or cute about them. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? The, that shared project is really perfect. Like instead of right. a book club mm-hmm. or a dinner club, I like that you're like, we're just going to record. We're going to talk to each other through microphones, which sounds yeah. pretty great to me. <laughs> and it was yes. brilliant because it took us from being acquaintances to being literally bonded for life best friends within about two weeks because all wow. of a sudden we were meeting every Wednesday night and we just have wine together. And the whole purpose of meeting was to talk. And yeah. we had these oh, topics perfect. that we were diving into. Like we were talking about ex-boyfriends and relationships mm-hmm. and careers. And so instead of just meeting as a group of women and not having any structure to our conversation, we had these topics to open up and share about. So, you know, That's I really wild. suggest starting a podcast, even <laughs> not publishing it. It totally works. No, that That's is such a really hot great. tip because everyone's always like, how do you make friends as an adult? Mm-hmm. Because like it can really feel like if you don't like if you don't almost like if you don't have a purpose, like if it's not yeah. like let's get together and talk about this, it's mm-hmm. really hard to just get together and like chat. So like being like, let's get together and talk about our ex-boyfriends or mm-hmm. let's get together and talk about moving over here or whatever it may be is like perfect. Well, and also like cheers to that friend for doing that because I feel like yeah. I'm so guilty of having very segmented friendships of like, I have my neighbor friends that we're really close with. I have my work friends. I have my school friends because Charlotte is a big city, but a pretty small town. And if you've been here for longer than about five years, you know, a lot of people, but I never, right. sometimes like it's feels too intimidating to bring everybody together because I'm like, well, I don't know if my work friends have enough in common with my neighbors and, you know, like all of these things, it feels like too much work, but good for her for being like, here are the people that I know. And now we're coming oh, together yeah. and we're right. all friends. Like, I mean, she I- was just this great uniter where she just said, like, I don't care. I don't even know these women that well, but these are my friends. Awesome. So she's been such an inspiration to me. I feel like I now have this almost set of tools that if when I leave LA someday, I almost know now that it's okay to be that bold with looking for friends because the thing is that everybody feels like they don't have enough friends, especially as an adult. I feel like it's this thing that everybody's struggling with. And as soon as you open up and start talking to people and just say, hey, do you want to be my friend? Everybody (laughs) always says yes, because people do want friends. Well, I think there's there's a piece of us that doesn't really develop much past like middle school or high school when that's what Mm -hmm. we're yearning for. And that part of us is still there and yearning for the exact same thing. That's a great tip. Right. So just like people you can like download with and stuff. 
Yes. Totally. Well, okay. So two questions that are kind of similar, I guess. Um, you moved from New York. Had, did mm-hmm. you have a hard time continuing your relationships cross country once you moved? And then I have another question about your time in New York, but you can, that, that'll be our segue. Yeah, I did. Except I will say that I think I had so many incredible people that I knew in New York, but I really was missing that in-depth Um, connection with people. Mm -hmm. I think that because I moved to New York right after college, it was just this very fragmented part of my life where I, you know, I had that thing where I was just friends with my work friends and I had a couple of girlfriends and I didn't really have that close knit group. Um, So there were certainly people like there are people I still text, but um, none that are like, okay, this is almost like a best friend for life situation, right? Sort of work friends and things like that. But I mean, when I moved to LA, I thought on week one, I was like, this is the worst mistake I've ever made in my entire life. Well, just because New York feels like the center of the universe in so many ways. Right. right? And then I moved out of it and was like, what have I done? What do I do now? Yeah, like, like that was such a cool city. Yeah. Well, I'm like really in awe that you spent time there in a season of your life there because I feel like that's what everyone says that they want to do at some point. Like, well, I want to spend a few years in New York and then move and figure out what I'm going to do mm-hmm. after that. But not a lot of people actually do it. But what you were doing there was so cool. So you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think I am because I pulled up your byline. Um, you, you were working at Food, <laughs> totally normal at Food Fifty Two, which yes. is a food website I love, and I've actually made some of your recipes before I even connected the dots of who you were. So I had been making your um, best worst chicken recipe. Wow! Um, yes, and I actually always have the ingredients on hand for it. And mm-hmm. then I think you mentioned it in a Cupcakes and Cashmere article, and I was like, "Best worst chicken, I make that." And I was like, "Oh, like I pulled no. your byline together." So you've always kind of been in the content creation space. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, Food 52 was the dream job. It was – I mean, it was just so incredible to be in food in New York because, A, I had no money, so I needed my job (laughs) to feed me. (laughs) I basically lived off of the test kitchen, um, you know, and went to every PR restaurant event that I could. (laughs) That's amazing. Which That's was so fantastic. So there's a um, hack for anyone looking to move to New York. <laughs> right, oh, yeah, absolutely. That's yeah, really so um, I mean, I did that for about two years. Well, so mm-hmm. now living on both coasts, and I know that you've traveled extensively, but how, like, what are the different approaches to life? I mean, I know that might sound dramatic, but I do feel like mm-hmm. there's got to be very different aspects of life on the East Coast and West Coast, and I've only lived East Coast. So how have you kind of like blended those into the life that you live right now? Yeah, I mean, I know exactly what you're talking about just because it is so different. Um, When I lived in New York, I think the stereotype about it being such a fast-paced, intense city is absolutely true. Like, I just felt like I was on from the second I woke up and then I would – it was almost – sometimes a competition like who was the last editor at the office and who was working the hardest and writing the most and then – like you go home, you're completely exhausted and beat, and then you do it again. But like that's the grit of living in New York and it's awesome yeah. and you're tired all the time and everything's hard, but like, damn it, you're a New Yorker. Um, and then moving to LA, I think all of a sudden I was like, what, what is this? Like yeah. why 
why is nobody at the office until 9 a.m.? Like, this is <laughs> very relaxed. And then, uh, you know, oh, my God, people leave by 6 p.m. People have lives outside of here. So yeah. it was this huge adjustment about being able to sort of slow down and enjoy the pace of life. And I mean, a lot of that is credited to just I work for an incredible company that really values um, the sort of live-work balance. Yeah, um, But that's I think awesome. that in general, it is true, not of every industry in Los Angeles, but of a lot of companies here, that there's at least more of an emphasis on live-work and this sort of more relaxed lifestyle than there is in it. New York. That's really refreshing because, you know, I work full time and um, mm-hmm. I'm a mom of three kids under six. And so you're very busy. Yeah. 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 Just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, I think there's like a trust that you have to take when a company says we have a work life balance because. Mm-hmm. I think, at least for me, I always approach it with skepticism of like, sure, I know you say that, but I'm mm-hmm, sure that your mm-hmm. expectation is really not actually that. So I left a job that I loved. It was the perfect job for me at the time, but it was really seven days a week all the time. And I expected that when I slowed down, quote unquote, that I would be like, this is the easiest adjustment. Like I'd felt burnout, mm-hmm. but it turned out to be this really hard transition that I didn't expect. It was like, my adrenaline thresholds were completely shot and I did not know how to turn it off. Like I Mm -hmm. felt like I was always doing something wrong or not doing something because I was so used to that grind, I guess. Did you feel any of that? Oh, completely. I mean, I'm already by nature a very type A person. So I think in a lot of ways, I thrived on New York. I was just like, these are my people. They will work until, you know, they completely (laughs) burn out and nobody was using that like catchphrase at the time yet, burnout became this new thing like last year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what I feel. Um, So I feel like I'm still kind of experiencing that sometimes. Like, it's just, it's really hard to turn that off. And I've worked at Cupcakes and Cashmere for four years now and have been in this incredibly like warm, understanding environment. And still sometimes I just get like a little bit tweaky where I'm like, oh God, like, do I need to get this done now? Or like, yeah. I got this email. I need to respond to it immediately when that just isn't the case. Yeah. I, have you guys heard – oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead, Hannah. I'm taking over. You go. Have Have you guys heard that poem um, by Boz Lerman called Always Wear Sunscreen? It's no, pretty old. but I'm into it already based on your description. It's really good. Um, it was like trendy when I was in college. So, But it was – he like reads – it was at his um, – It was a graduation the, speech, Yes, right? thank you. Mm-hmm. It was a graduation speech that he gave basically with his advice. And one thing he said was spend time in New York but leave before it makes you hard and mm-hmm. then spend time in L.A. but leave before it makes you soft. And I've always thought – I don't know, like a lot of parts of that speech um, – right, speech, not poem. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know, just like I've stuck with me over the years. Do you feel like that's – I like, think that's, do you ever think about that? I mean, that puts it perfectly. Yeah. I yeah. I hadn't thought of it. I think I'd been aware of the speech, but um, yeah, I couldn't put it better than that. Yeah. It's like a weirdly addicting graduation speech. I don't know why. It's like, mm-hmm. it's so poetic. It's really good. Yeah. And it's what? sampled like, in a song. Oh, really? Maybe that's, yes. maybe that's where I first I heard it. I'm really out of the pop culture. I'm, I'll hear it in about six years. That's what we all know, that about six right. years. Well, to be out. fair, it was, again, popular when I was young, okay, which, you well, know, I'm sorry. a you're long time ago. Years younger than me, so you can shut that 
out of here. <laughs> I was I was working. I was on my grind, so I don't know. <laughs> right? Yes, yes, I was you were. Lots of money in an ad agency. So you were making money ad. while I was I was studying for tests. Yeah, so. I was making twenty five thousand dollars a year. Thank you. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure I was exactly for that. Um, exactly that East Coast grind. <laughs> yeah, it was making me hard here in Charlotte. Here in the city. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, okay, so I want to talk a little bit about your role at Cupcakes and Cashmere. So I assume most listeners know, but if not, I want to make you feel stupid for a minute. Um, as you know, we like to do on the podcast. To be clear, you're addressing listeners and not either one of us or who is. Oh, sure. Just, just whoever falls <laughs> under the bucket. Um so, so while you were listening to graduation speeches, hoping you would graduate one day, I was reading right. blogs and getting inspiration <laughs> for what to wear to the office. Enter <laughs> Cupcakes and Cashmere, um, who was introduced to me by one of my friends who is also an early blog reader. And this was kind of like at the time of very peak. Now I know that everyone has a podcast. Back in the day, it was kind of everyone has a blog. Mine was Polka Dots and Protein Bars. I'm sure you all remember me. Adorable. Um, so, but Emily Schumann created Cupcakes and Cashmere and really – I think has been one of the most successful case studies of someone who started a blog as kind of just a hobby while she was working in a corporate environment and then has really made it into a lifestyle brand with an e-commerce site, um, a private label of clothes that are sold in Nordstrom. I mean, it's just been really amazing and now has this incredible staff. So it was a one person show. Now Leslie is the VP of content and they have a whole team, which I just have lots of, I don't know. I, I love that case study from a, from a press and, media perspective but Leslie yeah. how would you how would you describe like coming into kind of a known entity like that um from what perspective just uh personally or yeah, maybe I guess maybe personally because mm-hmm. I know that you were also a reader so yes. was there like some a level of intimidation of like hey I'm entering something that I've read and now I'm adding my own voice to it or did it feel like I'm ready to take this step like I, I oh want definitely I mean this all comes back to us being super creepy girl fans of yes. influencers. Yep. I, at the time that I interviewed for Cupcakes and Cashmere, not a lot of people know this because I deleted it, but I had a photo <laughs> of myself and Emily that I think was taken like five years earlier oh, where the caption was hashtag met my hero. So that's like <laughs> oh, the wow. level that we're talking about. Like I was that's awesome. amazing. Yeah, fully, fully in it. Like really trying to rifle through my closet to figure out how to wear stripes the same way that Emily was. And totally. this is the I time just, of the platform heel that I could not figure out. I had um, a, a lace cream dress that was like tiered and she yes, wore I know like the dress. You no. Know? And so I had mm-hmm. one like that, that I wore with a blazer and a belt. And I was like, oh my gosh, I am so, I am so in this right now. I can literally <laughs> see that outfit. Yes. <laughs> I will try to um, find a picture and send you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so the weird thing is, so when I – when I came to LA, A, I had never met Emily in person. I had only done interviews over Skype. So, gotcha. you know, as we're driving through the U-Haul with our cat across the country, Jonah turns to me and goes, what if she's really mean? I was like, don't say that. <laughs> so, there, you know, there was a small fear where I was like, this is someone that I have just been inspired by for years. I love her writing. I love the company that she's built. And one of the reasons that I wanted to join Cupcakes and Cashmere was that at Food 52, I was, 
I think the fifth editor who was hired and so many of the editors. So I was in pretty early, but so many of the editors that I worked with would talk about, oh, when we used to be scrappy and do photo shoots at home and we used to shoot all of the food photography on the founder, Amanda Hesser's bedside table because that's where the best light was in her house. And at the time I joined, we had just moved into this beautiful office. So I really wanted to join a company where I felt like I could be one of the first employees at that company that could really make an impact and grow with it. Um, right. And I'm I'm just so lucky that when I came to LA and met Emily, A, that she's one of the kindest people I've ever met. And it's just been such an incredible support in my life. And B, that that's exactly what happened with the company. So, you know, there were definitely a few moments where I knew a lot of facts about Emily's life, you know, where she would (laughs) casually say like, where is this skirt from? And I was like, oh, J. Crew, 2008, you know. (laughs) And here are some others linked just like it. Yes, exactly. (laughs) That's really crazy. Well, to me, like what I have really taken away from your writing, I mean, there are several things, but – I really love your transparency seemingly. Again, whether you are being as transparent as you seem, I really appreciate how accessible you come across in your writing. Has it been difficult for you? Yeah, you're welcome. From a public facing perspective to figure out where those lines are, Hannah and I shared the – the post that you wrote, I think a couple of weeks ago now, about how people speak to each other online. Yes, um, and we talked yeah, about it with that was such a like a powerful piece. Really. Yeah, one of our good friends owns a small business in town um, that has been wildly successful, but deals with very similar things because she's just a very open, transparent person, and we we love her. And um, I think it was the same day that that piece came out, and I was like, wait, read this. Um, right, Caroline sent it, and it was just like perfect timing because she's dealing with the same thing it sounds like you've been dealing with which is just like people just kind of offhand saying things Mm -hmm. and not thinking about their tone or the fact that like if they were in person they wouldn't say that or even they would say it with a different tone and it wouldn't sound as bad and I was just like this is so this it's so true we just don't think Mm -hmm. about how we interact online yeah I mean it means the world to me that you guys felt so moved by it to send it around to send it to other people and I think that that's exactly one of the reasons that I wrote it I mean another one of the reasons was to tell people to calm down a little bit (laughs) right yeah yeah yeah, exactly it's like you need to calm down Um, (laughs) but I mean Writing publicly is really weird because on the one hand, I am absolutely an open book. I am happy sharing anything about my life. But once you put something out there, you can't control how it's taken through someone else's lens. So sometimes I'll write something and someone will respond in a way that will be completely different from the context that I meant it in that will then sort of paint me as being someone who is callous or doesn't care, which is not at all how I see myself. So I think that's the most difficult thing to me, where I feel like words that I've written have been interpreted differently. And it's been sort of a struggle for me to just be able to let go of that because I have to actually remind myself that when people are casting judgment or are leaving negative comments, that even though I'm doing my best as a writer to try to make sure that I'm connecting with readers and I'm sharing everything about myself at the end of the day, the people who are leaving these comments don't personally know me. So there is always a limit to that. Um, But, you know, it can be really challenging when people are making snap judgments across the internet. But then again, I'm putting myself out there. So it's sort of this 
tricky situation. I would have yeah. the hardest time, I feel like, figuring out the balance of, okay, if I know that I'm going to put something out there that may be taken the wrong way, I don't think I would do a good job of letting it go <laughs> when someone right. didn't understand me. I feel like I would be like, I need everyone who knows me to read this. Tell me what it feels like. And then I need mm-hmm. to over explain myself and disclaim. And I feel like, at least in comments that I've seen, you respond thoughtfully, but then kind of close the sentence on it, which is really admirable. Did Are you wired mm, that that's way? A good, that's a skill, like, yeah, to be able to you shut have things to, down. Like, figure that part out. Yeah, it's really tricky because there are so many times where my instinct is to explain myself. I mean, of course, I think when you write something and somebody says, how dare you say that? The, my first instinct is for me to say, oh my gosh, that's not what I meant at all. This is what I meant. And, right. You know, basically lay out like exhibit A, B, and C for them to understand me. But the fact is that that doesn't often work because A, it comes off really defensive mm-hmm. um, and it kind mm-hmm. of puts you into a corner. So, I mean, I think that I used to feel really badly when I felt like people just didn't understand me. So now I've just understood the only thing that I can do is respond to a comment thoughtfully and try not to be too defensive because I really do when people – there's also a big difference between negative – like purely negative, hurtful, hateful comments and critical comments. And I think True. that that's a really important difference to make. Like yeah. I am completely fine when somebody does not agree with me. That's a completely different thing than somebody attacking my personality right. or right. who I am as a person. Um, but I mean, honestly, all you can do is be proud of the way that you respond. So I just try to, mm-hmm. you know, explain something in a thoughtful way or kill them with kindness and just walk away knowing that I did not stoop to their level. Right. Yeah. You- um, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I really am just charging. But um, question for that, like, do you kind of know ahead of time um, what the things when the things that you write will spark more of a conversation, or have you been surprised by those things? And if you kind of plan for them, has that helped you kind mm-hmm. of know, like, okay, I know I'll probably get some of these comments, so I'm at least prepared? Mm-hmm. Or is so, it more like, what the <laughs> honestly, one of our rules of thumb is that the things that people really go after passionately are things that we had n- we did not see coming at all <laughs> like really out of left field i mean one example that i can think of is that i wrote that i'm doing um socially distanced uh grocery store pickup and there's a $4 fee mm-hmm. and that was something that was picked apart as how could you spend $4 when $4 could buy you wow. two boxes of pasta and it, it just <sighs> It wasn't – it just wasn't something that I considered at all. I could have pointed to – Controversial 10, at all? Uh, yes. <laughs> I could have pointed to – fountain drinks at McDonald's, but like, okay. Yes, right, yes, right. A lot of things. I don't know. <laughs> or nothing. Yeah. I don't like, know. I mean, $4 can keep you safe from coronavirus by getting your groceries delivered. Like. <laughs> exactly. And to me, that's a very valuable place to put $4. And I exactly. can point to about a thousand other places that I've spent $4 in way dumber ways that I could just throw <laughs> right, them on a right, silver right. platter and say, attack this because this right, actually exactly. it. Yeah, exactly. Go after. Like, here's what I was expecting you to go after. So you can you can go ahead and comment yes. on right. it. But not. Exactly. That is, that is truly bizarre. And it does seem like, okay, you guys must be real bored at home. <laughs> like, yeah. And I will say, I mean, part of the reason that I wrote the post is because there has been so much more of it recently. Mm-hmm. Um, 
than usual. I just think people are feeling really antsy and bored. And I think that there's a lot of fear and it's obviously coming from a place of projection that doesn't have to do with me. But, you know, and I'm really trying to be sensitive to this fact where, but it's, it's confusing to me because sometimes I just don't know when people are going to attack. I mean, for example, right. I, while sheltering in place, purchased a Peloton, which is an incredibly exorbitant thing to buy. And I was really afraid to put on my Instagram because Ugh. I wanted, you know, I wanted to share. And I also, right. I was kind of caught between this place of wanting to share this thing, to be able to engage with the community there, to do rides with readers, and also to not have anybody feel like if they learned about it after the fact that <sighs> I had been lying to them. That is so crazy. You know, yeah. But, but then I was very afraid because I was like, okay, I know that it's an incredibly exorbitant thing and I didn't want to be insensitive to anybody who has lost their job. Um, but right. then nobody, I didn't get a single mean DM about that. So, that so wild. Yeah. And that was something yeah. where I put it out. Like I put it out to the universe and was like, I will be attacked. Like I know that I will be attacked. Well, and I yeah. wasn't. Of course you could buy a Peloton since she can throw away $4 on grocery delivery. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> totally. On her That's personal, on her personal yes. health and safety. Yeah. But um, I feel like people must feel, I think when people are vulnerable and scared, it, mm-hmm. finances are one of the easiest things for people to compare. But it's also mm-hmm. like the the least logical thing to compare because it's like, right, there's no apples to apples in anyone's mm-hmm. situation, geography, uh, household. Like there's none of that. It's yes. – oh, I don't understand. Um, Hannah, I've interrupted you like three times, so you go ahead. <laughs> well, I was, I was going to ask as a writer, um, kind of along that same line, I think we – now I can't remember if we collaborated on this post or not, Caroline. Maybe just me – it's crazy because this wasn't that long ago. It was like three days ago. We released a post about um, something and now I'm totally blank. <laughs> it's excellent writing. Um, it was something I, I'm like, let me tell you word for word what you wrote, but I couldn't tell you what I wrote. Um, we released a post about something about quarantine and it was kind of like something about quarantine that I knew would only affect like some people. And oh, was, I included this disclaimer. It was when you were talking about how I get dressed and you don't and we're all quarantining differently. Oh, right, right, right. Yes, yes, yes. So it was talking about how we're doing things differently. But then I thought, well, I don't want to come across like – because, you know, I mean, I think the majority of – hopefully, I don't know, maybe – I don't even know the statistics, but a lot of people are able to social distance in some way, um, are stuck at home. Obviously, we have essential workers out there and um, people Mm -hmm. who are sick out there and stuff like that. So obviously, that post doesn't apply to every single person. Um, so like kind of what are your feelings? Cause I wrote a little disclaimer just to say like, this doesn't apply to you basically if mm-hmm. it doesn't apply. Cause I was thinking about what you wrote saying like, basically like I'm not, you were saying I'm not trying to be insensitive mm-hmm. about like saying I'm doing this or this during social distancing. If, if you can't do it, um, like kind of what is like, do you feel like you're like, do you feel badly about putting out stuff like, cause that was, I was like, should I even put this out? But then I'm like, well, no, cause it does apply to a lot of people. It applies to me. Mm-hmm. So I guess just kind of, that's a confusing, this is why I like Caroline to talk more. <laughs> no, you're good. Well, I think, I will say, I think some people and Hannah, you are definitely one of those very empathetic people who is very sensitive to privilege, but mm-hmm. most people have some level of privilege Right. But I don't know where the responsibility is to 
always Thank you. talk That's about a it. much like, better I way to say what I was trying to say. Well, and I think that you don't always need to disclaim it. And at least from a marketing perspective, I would assume, Leslie, you guys know the demographics of your readership. And, you know, I think that you speak to the audience that you have and it's too exhaustive to always say, and I know this may not apply and this may not, and we all have different, right. you know, there comes a point where maybe that's not necessary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I honestly struggle with that literally on a daily basis. And I think that you'll notice as you read the blog posts that it's really inconsistent. The posts that we do say, hey, we know that this doesn't apply to everyone. And we sometimes even literally put an asterisk in the post mm-hmm. and then other posts where we just don't mention it. I think because we... Mm-hmm. I never know what the right thing is to do because on the one hand, right, it is obvious that it doesn't apply to everyone and I think we've addressed it so many times that it can almost get exhaustive to write it right. again. Um, yeah. But on the other hand – You expect yeah. your audience to like trust you. Like I know mm-hmm. now from knowing Hannah – I know the place that she's coming from. So whether she Mm -hmm. says, whether she acknowledges it or not, I know her. And I feel like there's a trust level in the places that you're choosing to click or spend your time or spend Mm -hmm. your energy where there's some innate trust, I would assume. But I mean, I don't know. I'm not everybody. Yeah. And I mean, I think for the vast majority of people, that's how they feel. I mean, the way that I read blogs is that if the title doesn't apply to me, I just don't click into it. And I think that that's how most people read blogs. There are some people who read every post um, and then will feel badly, which it really does break my heart when Mm -hmm. people feel less than or feel sad because they can't spend time at home or they can't buy a bathing suit that we're linking to or something along those lines. It really is a tricky line to toe. And I think – I I honestly don't know what the answer is. But I mean, for us, we can really only write to our experience and our experience is that our entire team right now is working from home. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good note about writing to your experience. And, you know, we talk about that on on this podcast coming from different places where Hannah um, stays at home with her kids and then gets to pursue her writing from home. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm in a position where I need to work. And so for a while, I think we kind of kept like almost apologizing to each other, to our audience of – you know, this may not apply or I don't mean this with any anything towards moms who stay home or whatever. Mm-hmm. But there just comes a point of like, well, here, here's the reality in my experience and that's where I can speak from. And mm-hmm. that doesn't mean anything to, to anyone else other than that's yeah, what I, I'm living in. I think that's all that you can do. And I think we've had a lot of conversations about this internally, but our entire team is made up of really caring, empathetic people. So I think at the end of the day, we have just learned that we need to trust ourselves. We are not going to do anything that would intentionally hurt somebody or that would be just shockingly rude or mean. Um, And I think that for the most part, we're able to really be self-aware about our privilege and especially the privilege right now of being able to work from home. So once we've acknowledged that a few times, there's almost nothing that we can do except just continue to write about our experiences and hope that it resonates with other people. Yeah, good point. 
Um, speaking of clicking into things, I did click the other day when you linked to Amanda Clute's um, dancer mm-hmm. arms, her four-minute dancer arms. Yes. Oh, you told me about that yeah, too. Yeah, well, I was going <laughs> to leave you a mean comment because that is the hardest four minutes that I've ever done. And I've done it three times now and I don't have dancer arms yet. And my husband <laughs> took a video of me from the couch and then sent it to me. And let me tell you, I also do not look like a dancer doing it. So the whole experience. I don't, was- I don't know why everyone hasn't seen that video. That's a little selfish. Yeah, but um, but it's, it so- is something. Jonah and I have been doing it every single day for – Twice a day for the past three weeks. Oh my and gosh. Are your I, arms dancer arms? That's all I can picture. Okay, so what's amazing, A, is that you totally feel stronger. Like I could not finish the full thing. And then <laughs> after so the hard. first week, I could finish it. And then I was like, okay, this feels pretty good. But I tried to do it yesterday. I got really excited and way ahead of myself. And I tried to do it with one pound weights. Oh and I always do it with Jonah. And Jonah looked over at me one point. I think I was like hunched forward. <laughs> like hair was in my face. I was probably dripping sweat. And he was like, you look like you're swimming through a jungle. Like I, it was, well, I'm, I'm like I could do anything for four minutes. Like I work out, mm-hmm, I'm strong, mm-hmm. I feel totally fine about this. But like even into the second set of arm circles, I was like, "There's no way." <laughs> oh yeah, so and she's also just so casual the entire time. Well, she's, she's just like goddess. So yes, I don't know. exactly. She's just like it's the holidays. Buy my mat. Like I mean, I have practically the entire thing <laughs> memorized because it's, <laughs> I listen to it twice a day. Well, um, all right. Well, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to start doing that. It's a good now, time. Now I'm intrigued. It's a really good yeah. time. Also, she. I don't know if you follow Amanda Clutes on Instagram. I do now. But I have you been watching the updates about her husband? Yes. Okay. So that's why I started following Hannah. I don't know if you know, mm-hmm. but Amanda Clutes is married um, to a Broadway a Tony nominated Broadway mm-hmm. actor who has gone through. I mean, literally every complication you could possibly experience from COVID nineteen. They have a beautiful is he the one. Boy. Um, that's been on people yes. quite a bit, so, right? Yes. People.com. Talking about oh, like wow. making links of bylines. So I have been reading that story, but not following Amanda. But Leslie has shared about Amanda's um, dance classes, like dance mm-hmm. fitness classes, then this link to these dancer arms, which I'm about to get. And I <laughs> <laughs> fell in love with her on this video. I mean, four minutes of torture, mm-hmm. but she's so precious and then I put it all together and now I follow her and the there's been good news at the time of this recording I hope yes. that's good news he's Nick Cordero yes. isn't that his name yes yes and she I mean I can't imagine what she's going through but she has yeah. just been yeah. such a source of inspiration I mean she is just living proof of just trying to stay positive and really being this amazing person I think through so I had only met Amanda once. We did a February fitness series of events in person in LA for the month of February, and she taught um, an event with a bunch of readers. And she was just this like positive, fabulous force. And I oh think gosh. all of us were like stunned by her presence because she was just so bubbly and vivacious and wonderful. And it's been kind of interesting to see, and I mean, devastating to see her go through this complete crisis where her husband is really fighting the good fight against COVID. Yeah. Um, But also just to see how that positivity 
has seems to be helping her and seems so core to who she is. Like she's not faking it at all. You know, doesn't it make you think like I was thinking about this today during my arm circles or whatever I was supposed to be doing that um, <laughs> like I hope that I am the kind of person who exudes joy. And I feel like even in right. her updates as she's sharing even the really heartbreaking ones, there's something about her that just exudes joy. And not to make this an Amanda Clutes fangirl podcast, but we could. Um, yes. I'm like, what is the takeaway here of the intentionality you set, the positivity you set, and how that just comes out of you? Because she definitely Mm -hmm. exudes that and radiates it. Yeah, I think that you put it so much better than I did. I just think that's exactly (laughs) what's so inspiring. Yeah, well, yeah, um, I, I had not. I've been seeing stories about him on People. dot com, mm-hmm. and um, so that's a our number one news connection, <laughs> <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> um, that's been a crazy thing to follow. Like that's one of those like outlier stories that's coming through lately, like um, mm-hmm. about the Kawasaki disease or oh what, I yeah, think, attacking children. Like, right? It's like wait, I don't what's know what that, that is? Happening? Oh my god, it's I'm like about a. To just- Burrow my head. You don't. You don't. Yeah. It's fine. It doesn't matter. Just. I mean. Okay. That was incredibly harsh. It does matter. I'm just saying. Like in the in the in the in the the, um, vein of self help. Like we don't need to look up another negative thing. It's just another we like outlier potential condition. Mm -hmm. I like made myself not Google murder hornets that you know are like invading the U.S. What is a murder hornet? I feel like that's a thing that's coming. I haven't. Pretty sure that. Pretty sure they're on the west coast as well. So they're probably hard less. I don't know. Yeah, I, mean, like I haven't gone outside movies. in about eight weeks now, okay, so you're safe from everything. You're safe. Yes, you're yeah. safe for sure. You're safe from murder hornets. Don't worry about it. Um, what we have know. going on here. <laughs> Apparently, murder hornets—they are going after like regular bees, and they like decapitate them, and then like destroy a hive within like 15 minutes or something. And oh, since God. I have such an affinity for bees, it is very <laughs> upsetting to me, like that these exist and. I guess like they've been spotted in either Washington or Northern California. Um, did you see the meme that went around that it was like murder hornets now, but with a good lawyer, manslaughter bees, which. Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> because really memes are what are Painful. getting us through all quarantine. Yes. But Leslie, yes, you have been. I mean, we've all had collateral damage from quarantine, of course. Thankfully, we're mm-hmm. all healthy and safe. But you and Jonah chose to postpone your wedding. Um Kind of talk us through what that felt like and how you guys are doing. I mean, that's a real surreal thing. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. So honestly, all things considered, we had it pretty good in terms of getting our wedding completely bulldozed by a global <laughs> pandemic. Right. Um, the thing that everyone's because, always on the on the lookout for. When yeah. Exactly. I was like, who? this coming like I was just worried about the flower arrangements I didn't even have this on my list of a thousand things that I was you know staying up every single night thinking about right Um, but I mean honestly we were lucky because a our wedding was for March 28th so Mm -hmm. it was extremely clear from the get-go that we were not able to have it and I think I feel so much for people who are in this weird limbo now where Mm -hmm. Are in the fall or you know later right this like summer. August September yeah. yeah and I just think that that's such a more difficult place to be in um, but luckily right. we were able to recognize it pretty early and you know call the whole thing off and we also had it pretty lucky that we were having a very small wedding so we had about I mean relatively small we had fifty people and we were going to get married in Jonah's family backyard so also oh, we didn't. Nice. 
Yeah, so it would have been beautiful. <laughs> it's not like a perfect wedding. I'm really sorry. Right. Yes. Right. But um, in terms of logistics, I do understand that. Yeah, that in terms of yes. logistics, it took us maybe 10 minutes to cancel the whole thing. You know, yeah. we only had to reach out to caterers, our photographer, um, and just a very small number of people and also didn't lose any money. So oh, that's amazing. That is amazing. Yeah. All things considered, we're really in a fortunate position. Um, but, you know, I think – I I haven't really let myself feel that sad about it. I think because there are so many other things going on in the world right now that I'm like, honestly, it was just a party. It's completely fine. Yeah, um, right. But I do have little moments where I'm just like, okay, that's pretty pretty sad. Yeah, yeah. of course it is. I mean, that is a really valid thing to be sad about. <laughs> For sure, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the hard thing that I um, I find myself to is like if something bad happens to me, it's like mm-hmm. – If something happens to me, I'm like, okay, but I'm still not in a hospital right now, um, so – I really shouldn't be upset, but it's like uh, the, everything that happens is still valid. Like the things yeah. that upset us are still mm-hmm. valid to each of us, no matter the level. So yeah, it's so still yeah, we're all walking through some layer or level of grief. And to me, I have found the things that are the smallest ones are the ones that create the largest upswelling. Like hit the hardest. Feeling. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But that is just the kind of person I am that I will shove down all the main, the major things, and then there will be something really small that I'm like, and there it is. There are all the feelings. Right. There that's that's exactly what happened to me with this with the quarantine. Was like early on, was um like a uh, Norbeth fell down on her bike and I couldn't go help her, and yeah. that like hit me. That's when it hit me the hardest. I mean, to be fair, I could have like that makes. Well, me also, sad. she's a perfect. Child, she was. So I don't. Know. She was bleeding out in the streets, and I did nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, just that. Yeah, that it, that's when it really hit home. And then um, trying to make social distancing plans with my mom and then realizing like that actually wouldn't be a good idea. Like it's mm-hmm. there's been little things that that just hit harder. So, yeah, canceling your wedding like or postponing it, you know, it's just yeah, that's so emotional. Yeah. And it's an interesting time also to even be talking to you both about it because we actually just made new plans. We um, world announcement. We're getting married. <laughs> We're getting married this Saturday now. Oh my goodness, that's um, so exciting! Congratulations! Yeah, so yeah. so we were actually supposed to get married last Saturday, and then I woke up sobbing at four a.m. and Jonah was like, <laughs> "Oh no, I'm just reading the room here. It doesn't feel like you're super excited right now." <laughs> I was like, "What Is are you this talking the about?" This day of your life, yes or no? Yeah, and that was <laughs> yes, and that was sort of the moment I realized I was like, "Oh, I probably have not." been processing these emotions in a right. super healthy way. Sure. No, it's fine. That seems fine. Yeah. Right. I was Everything like, I'm totally fine. good. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Um, so yeah. So what we're doing now is we decided just after going back and forth a lot, I mean, we have our wedding license. It would honestly be a huge pain in the butt to get another one. Oh yeah. Um, to go yeah, back. You know, no way. Yeah. That's a pain. Yeah, exactly. And also we know that we don't know for sure. We've postponed our wedding to next March, but mm-hmm. there's just so many questions in the air that we have no idea. Like, what if it comes back, or what if something happens? What if yes. right one of us gets sick, and then we're not legally considered family, even though we've been together for seven years, and that's how we consider oh, each other. Oh, that's a very good point. Yeah, I, I wouldn't yeah. have thought of that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just sort of these million things where we decided we're going to have a very socially distanced ceremony this Saturday. We're going to go over to our officiant's house. And just have her sort of do it, 
like I mean barely a ceremony. Um, yeah, but have some you know distanced Aperol spritzes and just <laughs> yes, yes. That sounds that sounds perfect for the times. Exactly. You know like, I was I'm, like, that's my only request. I'm yes. sure that will feel like kind of surreal and like this is not how you pictured your wedding day. But I also think there's something mm-hmm. very charming about that memory of like, here's how we did it. And like, we just kind of leaned into what we were facing. And that also was exactly. where we landed. Um, well, congratulations right. in advance. That is very exciting. And I will be trusting that you will not wake up this Saturday crying. <laughs> I think we'll right. be in a better headspace. Yeah. <laughs> well, I hope that you can throw like a bash for your first anniversary. Yes, like that would be a cool like. Exactly. Yes. Uh, that's um, awesome. I was just reading, I was reading your piece about that um, mm-hmm. a little bit ago and just about like uh, planning and um, your mom's quote cracked mm-hmm. me up. I loved it. <laughs> about um, if you want to make God laugh, tell her your plans. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like I, It's it's such um, my cousin just recently shared that similar thing about like the for those of us who live based on our schedule check on us we are not okay and I'm just like I I have to have a schedule like I Mm -hmm. have to have like color coded calendar like everything and I just went through like last week and deleted everything from Mm -hmm. my calendar and I'm it like hurt me (laughs) but I'm Mm -hmm. like what's the point like none of this matters I can't have a schedule and every single day I wake up trying to decide if I should try and schedule again. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Every single day. (laughs) Yeah. And it's just so hard. I mean, it's so hard to not be able to have a schedule. I am such a planner. Yeah. It's, it's really like I, and my son is too, like we all, like we need schedules really bad and we, (laughs) you cannot like have a schedule in a pandemic as it turns out. Yeah. (laughs) I'm really interested in what's going to happen after all of this, like how it's going to impact our lives and just really all I'm thinking about. That's all I'm thinking right now. So I like the way I kind of process grief is like pre-processing it, which Mm -hmm. I don't know. My therapist hasn't called me in a while, so I don't know what that means. But (laughs) everything um, was going to go wrong here's how I will react to it but what I end up grieving more is what happens now like how do I let my kids know it's okay to trust their instincts to hug someone uh right have they lost that like how do we retrain each other how to like actually Hannah you and I were talking about this yesterday like how do we retrain our brain to know it's okay to go to a restaurant without thinking about it how do we know it's okay to bring groceries in And those are the ways that I start to get really like mental about it where I'm like, will this ever be okay? Will we ever go back to just like trusting our basic instincts? And that's where like I start to grieve what we knew and especially for my kids at the ages they are. Like Jane Ellis, my youngest, isn't remembering any of this, but will she ever remember a time before this? She'll never experience what that was, you know? And I'm like, I hate that for her. So I don't know. I pre-mourn. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's sense. so real. There's almost nothing else that we can do because we have so much time on our hands. All we're thinking about yeah. is what is life going to look like when we're out of here? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, and I like, mean, what's going to stay and what's not? Yeah, I think that when I go to that place, because it's so easy to get so sad and just think of like, oh my God, when is the magic of a crowded restaurant going to feel safe and feel okay? Yes. But yeah. I I'm trying to calm myself down by thinking of how many wonderful things will replace it. Like I think that as we come out of quarantine and before we get comfortable with restaurants, there will be a stage of our lives where we'll have more dinners at home with friends and there might be these sort of more intimate small gatherings that are more casual and we'll, you know, we'll be so much happier to be together. So I love that. 
I'm yeah, trying to focus yeah, that's on really that. Good advice. You know, ask me in five minutes, but <laughs> right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Depends on my mood. So. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. Mm-hmm. I I don't want to expire too much of our time with you, but I know you're a reader. We are both readers, so I wanted to know what you're reading right now. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yes, well, right same. now, I just started a book con- called The Gone World, and I'm trying to like peek around my desk to see if I can see who the author is. No, it's totally out of my line of vision. Um, I'm reading that. <laughs> it's a <laughs> it's a sci-fi book that was recommended to me by a coworker. Oh, I'm so yeah. Well, just that's how I am. I'm like Hannah's into this. I don't even. Yes. Me. Oh, it's post-apocalyptic. <laughs> There's a thing called the oh, terminus yes. where the world is supposed to end, and only certain time travelers know about it. Which, yes, I'm so into. <laughs> wow. Um, I climbed into my brain to write that book. Hannah, yes. Hannah just googled how much the rights to that movie is, are. So she's, <laughs> exactly. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to go fund me for that <laughs> for sure. Um, and then the. Novel that I've been recommending to a lot of people, and it completely depends with how you're processing this pandemic, is The Dreamers by Karen Thompson Walker. Um, it's a book that I read coincidentally, basically right before I really started to hear the word coronavirus and COVID. But it's a book about a pandemic that I like, yeah, read that. Did you? Keep talking about. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Keep talking. It's, about it, I'll tell you. Yeah, yeah. Let me know if it sounds familiar. It's a pandemic that hits like a small Northern California town where everybody starts falling asleep. So it starts. Yes. It's incredible. It so, is. It is. It it makes you think, and that's a good yeah. point because I read it before before this enough to where I'm only now thinking of it in terms of the pandemic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what crazy timing that you just read it. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And I love a pandemic book. So this, is, <laughs> yeah. this has been sort of an interesting Yeah, time what, to what a time in. to be alive. Totally. <laughs> so, yes. so you two have manifested it. Meanwhile, I love any book about yeah. cults. So we're yeah. all about to have a global <laughs> cult. You're welcome. Can, can someone to- like a book about peace and quiet? How about yes, that? Yes. <laughs> Wait, I want to hear more about the cult books. What what books do you oh, recommend? Well, uh, I oh, what is that one um, that we were recommending for like 18 months, Caroline? <laughs> oh, well, the Book of Essie for sure. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Okay. Essie. Have you read that? And then Educated, yes. mm-hmm. which, you know, that's like a very strict Mormon, but mm-hmm. I don't know. That depends on if you consider Mormonism a cult, which I won't. Well, I, but their their way, their yes. like lifestyle. I don't think lots of. Um, I yeah, like, it's not what I would extreme. call like just Mormonism. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hannah, what is the book that we read together for book club um, about the two who were escaping the cult? Oh yeah. Uh, oh shoot, your Amy sent it to you. Yeah. Oh, hang but on. It had butterflies. It had butterflies on the cover. <laughs> Does that help anyone? No, that should have <laughs> turned me off But because I don't like butterfly <laughs> motif. But hang on. Sorry, Leslie. Now I've got to find this. Yeah, that one was that one was crazy. Um, but while you're looking for it, Caroline, um, Leslie, we were talking about your piece about how to read a book in a day. Mm-hmm. Um, I think last week or so you put that out. And it's crazy. Like, I don't know, like, it, I, I was saying, like, that's not, I didn't know I needed to read that, <laughs> but I'm like, I can read a book in a day. <laughs> like, watch me go. All I need to do is, set, right, I'm like, I can read 50 or 56 or more than 56 days in a year. Wow, that was an upsetting moment. But <laughs> I can read 365 books. What is quarantine? <laughs> yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> anyway, it, that was a really good piece about, um, ju- I don't know, just, like, empowering you to, like, sit down, carve out time put your phone away Mm -hmm. because now every time I pick up my phone I'm like no she's so right this is the enemy of 
productivity and yes, reading. It is. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, I I have become so addicted to Instagram during this time. It is ridiculous. Yes. So it's not yeah. as if I'm spending any less time on Instagram. But right. um, what kind of amazes me is that I just recently got a Kindle. And at the beginning, when you open a book, it tells you how long it takes to read the book. And yes, usually, that's the most addicting oh, part. That, yes. no, that stresses me out. I agree to disagree, Hannah. I hate it. I oh, feel like I'm I love that. Because it, then it tells you like five and a half hours. And I'm like, oh, cool. Because this would have taken me two months to read. If right. I didn't have <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I, am, I totally yeah. agree. I am way too com- competitive. I would be like, well, you can suck at Kindle because I'm going to read it in four minutes and 50, <laughs> four hours and 52 minutes. Like, I can't. Yeah. I would check it. Oh, I still do that. But it, it <laughs> doesn't stress me out uh, as it does you. So. Oh, well, uh, <laughs> yeah. this, this book that we read does not – we never posted it. It's called – I found it. Oh, It's called you. The Virtue of Sin. The Virtue of okay, Sin. It is very yeah, good. Yeah, that was really good. That was very uh, – that wasn't what I expected no. when we read that book. But it's a nice mm. It's a nice cult book if you're into that genre. Yeah. yeah, yeah no, I is. think I am. I didn't realize it until <laughs> you, you guys started mentioning so many titles where I was like, yes, I love <laughs> those books. Yeah. The Book of Essie was really one of our favorites for a long time. I like our yeah, yeah, I love our joint that. favorites. Um, yeah, that book uh, th- that book floored me. I I don't that was one that we couldn't stop thinking about just for the longest time. Yeah. Oh, also another book that I have. I, this is a complete tangent. I'm just bulldozing the book of Essie, but I have to talk about it. This book by Rachel Kushner, The Mars Room, was I think oh. the book that I talked about in the post about reading a book in the day. Yes, you did, it's and I'm very into it. Like incredible. into the concept. Incredible. It's incredible. Okay. It made me think so much. It's basically about a woman who goes to prison and her experience going through the the judicial system and what happens to her son because she goes to prison and then what her life is like. And it, I mean, it is so, so depressing, truly to the core that I was like, I want to do everything and I don't even know where to start. Like right, you know, I've, I've just it. added it. I, I just added it to my want to read well, list because I just barred it. So I guess I'm better than right. you are. <laughs> oh wow, um, <laughs> you beat me to it. But, you know, I felt that way, Leslie, in a smaller way about um, serial season three. I felt like what they did was so remarkable in the third season. They spent a year in the Cleveland County court system. Oh, uh, that's right. Yes, and, I'd completely forgotten about that oh until my now. Gosh. It really blew my mind. And at the time, I was working for a nonprofit that um, worked with people who were kind of uh, chronically incarcerated and talking Mm -hmm. about some of the – two of those I know were proven by the Innocence Project that they Mm -hmm. were wrongfully incarcerated for a very long time. Mm -hmm. But when you really, like, get to know, like, what the judicial system looks like, it is nearly impossible to get out of once you're in the system. And that is terrifying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. (laughs) Another one, uh, another one, kind of along that same judicial um, <laughs> judicial system is um, the wife. No, not the wife. The honey, an American marriage. Have oh, you guys read that one? I haven't read it, but it's literally on my bookshelf right now. Oh yeah, you you're gonna want to pick that one up. That okay. one was very good. That's the and next one I'm reading. Yes, that'll be that'll be good. It's kind of heavy, but it's not. Mm-hmm. I, I'm guessing it's maybe a little less heavy. It's about um, – I mean, it, obviously, it's about a married couple, but I think the man goes to prison. Yes, okay. yes, like shortly after they get married. And then um, – oh, there was another one, and now I can't. There was the one written by – oh, the, the author who does such a good job about um, 
Oh, wait, now I have to find it. <laughs> now that we're on prison books. Well, don't worry about <laughs> it. Uh, the next one in my queue is called Husband Material. It's a light rom-com. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Again, you need you need those. For- oh, Seeing Unburied Seeing. That was it by Jessamyn Ward. She's oh, so okay. Good. I've also seen that cover. I need to. Yeah. I think that book won awards. Um and it was really, it was really, that's another one that's eye-opening about the prison system. And it kind of like travels through time. Mm-hmm. Um, but what was the one you said at the very beginning of this again, Leslie? I want to add that to my list for sure. Oh, The Gone World. The Gone World, right, mm-hmm. right. Yeah, I had already, I got so excited I didn't. <laughs> up your alley and I can't even. Yeah. It's yes, right. yeah. it does. Is that the novel you've been um, writing and you just didn't tell me that it was out? <laughs> yes, my pen name is Tom Sweaterlich. <laughs> I knew it. Always supporting the patriarchy. I would <laughs> exactly, exactly as I always say. Um, well, I I don't it, I can't believe it's already been an hour. It does not feel like it. it feels like we've just been. This is here. great. Yeah. No, I don't want to hold you captive. I do, but I don't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to lie. We're all friends here. <laughs> yeah. Again, don't watch Ingrid Goes West anytime soon after this recording. However. <laughs> Um, we are so thankful that you came on. Thank you for joining us. I mean, um, yeah, thank you so much. Really, yes, thank I hope- you both for creating this space. This was so fun. Um, congratulations for thank your marriage this Saturday. That's awesome. Thank yeah. you so happy, much. I'm happy fingers crossed. I don't like yeah. cry. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're like we're committed this time. We're we're in it. Well, yeah. well, I think it's important to like recognize your emotions and like give yourself space to feel them. And you obviously did that. Like, exactly. It, it felt cathartic. It. it didn't feel like the start right. of something. It was like, well, okay, this right. needed to happen. Now we're good. Well, and, yes, and props to Jonah good. for recognizing it and yes. seeing it. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. This is not oh my great. God. Right. literally the most intelligent person I've ever met. Emotionally intelligent. Also intelligent. But Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, that's awesome. Well, um, I'll just be doing some more dancer arms, trying to claim those. So uh, just be thinking Keep about at that. It. Just do it every day. I, I, I know. know exactly now, now I'm where. in this. I got to jump on the train. Oh my gosh. I've done it three days in a row. And I seriously, like every time I look in the mirror and I'm like, is this more? Am I really a dancer now? But the problem I is I, was gonna I literally have no rhythm. Like today I was analyzing. I'm like, oh, she's like also using like some momentum from her body. And then I tried to move my hips and I'm like, nope. That's yes. not my hip. I don't know. Well, I doing. feel so good when I do it. I'm like, I am a dancer. And then I filmed yes. myself doing it the other day. Like, I'm going to post this to social. And it was like, nobody will ever see this footage. <laughs> you don't want to open the door to those comments. It's just yeah, so fantastic. bad. It's so bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In my dreams, I'm Amanda Clutes. In my reality, I am, I don't know, like a dump truck <laughs> trying to like grow arms. I don't know. <laughs> Oh man! All awesome. right. Well, that well, that's good luck. all good ideas. Good ideas all all across the board. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you all so right. much, Leslie. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye.